Again, welcome. Super happy that you guys are here. For the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about labels. We've been talking about um, our identity, um, who we are in Christ, and who we're not in Christ. Because it turns out a lot of us have been mislabeled. A lot of us have been identified and limited and defined by these mislabels that have been put on us by our parents, our family, our friends, society, culture, social media, the world around us has put wrong labels on us, mislabels on us. And if we hear those mislabels enough, if we hear them for long enough, if we hear them often enough, something really scary starts to happen. And here's what it reminds me of. If you got a puppy today, if you got a brand new puppy today, and I can give you one, if you got a puppy today, and you go home with that puppy and you call that puppy kitty, right? Here kitty, here kitty, give him food, right? Bad kitty, bad kitty, smack him on the nose or whatever. You do that long enough and what's gonna begin to happen? He's gonna think that's his name. He's gonna think that's, that's who he is. And he's gonna come when you say kitty. And he's gonna get hungry when you feed the kitty. And he's gonna feel scared when you're mad at the kitty because he thinks that's who he is. And I think kind of the same way, we hear these things about ourselves our whole lives, right? People are telling you you're this, they're telling you you're that, the world is telling us, our parents are telling us, social media is telling us that we're certain things, and we hear them often enough, pretty soon we start identifying ourselves by these mislabels, and we, we wear them around, like stickers or name tags. Hello, my name is ugly, right? I'm a mistake. I'm, I'm less than the more beautiful people. Or, Hello, my name is insignificant. I'm not really that important. I don't, I don't really matter. Hello, my name is alone, right? I'm, a, I'm kind of a misfit. I don't really fit in. I don't really belong to anybody and nobody belongs to me. These are mislabels. And last week we learned a delicious lesson about how damaging and dangerous these labels can be and how tragic the results can be. How many of you, when you left last week, got some delicious frozen custard? Okay, and those of you that didn't raise your hand just now, let this be a lesson to you. (laughs) This is what happens when you miss church. Um, Maybe that's why it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, just for that reason, because they might have ice cream. So as we go through life, I think what happens is through all of those different sources, um, we end up with all of these different labels getting like stuck on our shirts and stuck all over the things people have called us or ways that we see ourselves and some of them are are mislabels and so that's a problem. What are we gonna do when we have 40 different stickers all over us saying that we're 40 different things? How are we supposed to know who we really are? And what we've decided to do is go to the source. Right? Nobody knows you like your creator. Nobody knows who you really are like God does. He knows who you really are. He knows who you really aren't. And he knows who you will someday become. He knows who you won't become. And he knows what you can do. And he knows what you can't do. Um, and he reveals that truth to us and most truth to us through his word. Right? And that's where we really find out who we really are. And that's how we really find out um, who God really is. And that's super, super important. 
Knowing who God is needs to be an important part of us understanding who we are. So for an example, last week I said, I'm a child of God, that's who I am. But that means something completely different when you understand who God is, right? If I say that I'm loved by God, that means something completely different when I really understand what a perfect love God provides for us. When I say I'm empowered by God, that's who I am. I'm empowered by God. But that means something completely different when I understand how powerful God is. And so the more we know him, the more we understand who he is, the more we'll know ourselves. And the more we'll understand who we really are and the quicker we can get rid of some of these mislabels. Because as we look at his word, and we look at the truth that God provides for us in his word, we can see that regardless of what the world has stuck on you, regardless of what stickers and mislabels that you've adopted, who we really are, according to the Bible, is we are loved. We are accepted. We are forgiven and secure and safe and fearless and free and strong and chosen. We are worthy and we're righteous and we're holy and we're powerful and we're more than conquerors. We're children of God. And I think as we shine the light of scripture onto these labels, if you can get this picture in your head of what the Bible says about who you really are, and that's like the light of, that's the true who you are, that's the light of scripture shining on that. And if you've ever worn these things, you know what happens when they get hot from the light, right? The glue starts to melt, and they kind of start to like peel off of us. And I think as we shine light of scripture onto these mislabels more and more, we're gonna see who we really are and that's gonna show us who we really aren't. And we'll get rid of some of these mislabels. So today we're gonna look at one passage of scripture and I think it's gonna really help us kind of melt off a couple of really common mislabels. So let's just get right into it. A lot of us have been mislabeled as ugly. A lot of us have been mislabeled as ugly. The way I look is ugly, my personality is ugly, my life is just, it's ugly. It's like I'm a mistake. It's like I'm a mistake. I'm just, I'm ugly. U, G, L, Y, I ain't got no alibi, right? I'm just, that's who I'm, I'm ugly. The world sees me that way. The world has labeled me as as less than the, the pretty people. Right, as less than the beautiful people whose physical appearance is so perfect and whose lives seem so beautiful and whose personalities are so pretty. And compared to them, I'm, 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 I'm ugly. It's just, that's just who I am and that's all I am. And it's, it's crazy how much of how we see ourselves comes from how other people see us. It's amazing how we take that sticker, you know, and we accept that sticker and we put it on us. And it is crazy how much our physical appearance is a part of this. Because we way disproportionately are judged by our appearance. We way disproportionately judge other people by our appearance. We way disproportionately judge ourselves by our physical appearance. I think a lot of it comes from comparison because um, how many of you have a TV or a computer? Oh, almost everybody, right? We've seen movies, right? We watch TV shows, we've seen these videos, and those people, you know, they have these perfectly symmetrical, perfectly proportioned features, and they have like the flawless skin, and they don't have wrinkles, they don't have pimples, 
They don't have those ugly moles, right? They have hair where you're supposed to have hair, but they don't have hair where you're not supposed to have hair, and everything is exactly the right size and shape that it should be according to some standard that was decided on by, I don't know, somebody, somebody somewhere decided that's how you know, big a nose should be or how low a chin should hang or whatever. That's somebody somewhere decided that and we've just adopted, okay, that's, okay, I guess that's what beautiful is and that's what I have to live up to. And somebody somewhere has decided what a perfect body looks like and it's, it's, this is the exact size and this is the exact shape and that's what beautiful is, right? That's what pretty is. And so that's the standard now. That's, that's the goal. And I want my body to look like that body. And if my body doesn't look like that body, then I guess I'm not beautiful. I guess that just means that I'm ugly. And of course, we've got social media constantly reminding us that we're the only ones who have less than perfect faces and less than perfect bodies and less than perfect teeth and hair and skin and size and shape and weight and kids and houses, right? Because everybody in those pictures is perfect. Do you know why they're perfect? They use filters. That's why. That's why. That's not, people don't really look like that. Have you ever been friends with somebody on Facebook and you've known them for years and then you meet them in person and they say, hi, I'm Larry, and you go, no, you're not. You don't look at all like what I was, right? It's filters. I saw a study this week from the London City University. They ask a bunch of women, how many of you have, before you posted a picture, have you some sort of filter or some sort of software, you know, just to straighten out the jaw a little bit, minimize the nose a tiny bit, fix up the skin tone, trim off a couple of pounds. Let me ask you, what do you think the percentage was? 91%, 91%, 91%, 91%, that's not what people really look like, it's like false advertising. That's not what people really look like. 91% of women said that before I post a picture, I doctor the picture. And the men, it's a lot less, you know why? They don't know how to work the filters, they don't know what, they would do it if they could. We don't, we don't know how to do that stuff. So we see, we see these people like in the movies and they're on TV or in social media or pop culture or whatever, and we look at them and it's like, okay, well, if that's the standard, right, if that's what beautiful means, then, I mean, that ain't me. And if that's what pretty is, I'm not pretty. If that's a beautiful body, this is not a beautiful body, so if I'm not pretty and I'm not beautiful, I can be opposite of that, I'm ugly. I'm not as good as them, right? Now our value starts coming from it, right? I'm not as good as them because I'm not as good looking as them. And it's not just looks. I mean, we also see pictures and movies and stuff about people that have these beautiful talents or they have these beautiful personalities or they have these beautiful minds or they have these beautiful families. And it's like, well, if that's what beautiful is, I mean, that's not, I'm the opposite of that. I'm, I'm ugly, I'm a, I'm a mistake. That's, that's who I am. That's my identity. And the results of that can be tragic. 
Because, what, I mean, what does that do to my self-esteem, right? What does that do to my confidence? What does that do to the way that I approach the world? It's like, well, I can't ask that girl out. I'm too ugly. I can't apply for that job. I'm too ugly, right? I, 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 can't, I, I can't apply to that school. I'm too ugly. I can't expect or hope to ever have a great relationship because that's, that's for the beautiful people. You know, that's for the people with perfect noses. That's for the people with clear skin. That's, the people, that's for the people with muscular arms and six-pack abs and, and two separate eyebrows, right? <laughs> no, nobody, nobody wants me. I, I, maybe, maybe even God is rejected by me. Maybe I'm even too ugly for God because my value and my worth and my identity is tied up in how beautiful I'm not. And it's easy to start thinking, well, if I'm not good looking, then I'm not good. If I don't have good ideas, I'm not good. If I don't have a good personality, I'm not good. <laughs> Hello, world. My name is ugly. So what do we do? What are the tragic results when this happens? I think most of us react to that label um, one of two ways. Um, one is we buy into it. And we just say, yep, that's me. I'm, I'm ugly and I just assume that everybody's gonna reject me and I'm just gonna live a life of isolation. And I'm gonna live a life of fear and I'm gonna live a life of loneliness. Or they go the other way. And we say, well, I don't want to be ugly, and so I'm going to fix it by, you know, dying this, or liposuctioning that, or I'm going to go on a crazy diet, or I'm going to move into the gym, I'm going to filter every photo. I'm going to become one of those people that is totally obsessed with the way that they look, and it's all I'm going to think about, and it's all I'm going to talk about, and that's how I'm going to judge other people, because that's how I judge myself. And I'm telling you, those are... Those are tragic results. Those are, that's not the life that Jesus has for us. I think lots of us have allowed this ugly label to be put on us. But now what we wanna have happen is we wanna have the light of scripture shine down on us and we want that thing to start to melt off, right? And so, um, are you guys ready for that? We've talked enough about ugliness. Are you ready for the other side of that? Do you wanna see who you really are according to scripture instead of maybe who the world has told you? that you are, who's in? More than half, that's all I'm looking for, we're going. Democracy around here. Um, so yeah, no matter what the world thinks or your parents thought or your friends thought or your ex thinks or you think about your ideas or your face or your mind or your body or your hair or your shape or your size or your weight, God's word today is gonna call you a name that some of you may have never been called before. And before we get into it, I wanna remember, I wanna remind you, this is, this is coming from God, okay? This is, this, is, this is not the world, this is not social, this is not your ex, this is coming from God. He is the creator of everything. Perfect sunsets, beautiful mountains, perfect skin, straight noses, six packs, Right? The creator of everything, the God who is the author of all beauty says, you are not ugly, you are a masterpiece. A masterpiece. That's a hard thing for some of us to even hear said about us, but it ain't me saying it, 
It's coming from the Bible. Ephesians 2, 8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. None of us can boast about it. For we are God's, I want you to say this word with me, for we are God's masterpiece. Now this word masterpiece comes from a Greek word. The word is poema. And this word, it's where we get the word poem, right? So think about like what a poem is. It's, 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 if you've ever written poetry, it's a lot of work, you know, it's very cleverly created and it's like perfectly crafted and every word, punctuation, everything is very carelessly thought out or carefully thought out and every word, every word is specifically chosen to be beautiful and powerful and meaningful and moving. And God says, you are like this beautiful thing that he created. You are God's poema. You are God's masterpiece. And God, you know what? He could have made you taller. And he could have made you, you know, thinner. He could have given you a bigger nose or smaller ears or less gray hair. He could have given you prettier ideas. He could have given you a more beautiful voice. He could have made you at a different time. You ever think about that one? God could have brought you into this world anytime he wanted to. And I've read that in medieval times, the ideal perfect body was a lot more plump than what we consider a perfect body now. And you know why? It was like a status symbol, right? If as a man, if I'm, if I'm kind of plump and I can have a wife that's kind of plump, then that's a status symbol for me. It shows I'm successful because I can afford food. And so in those days, the perfect body was a lot like plumper than the perfect body is today. And I thought many times, why couldn't I have been born then? Because I could be like a supermodel, you know? But that's, that's not what God did. It wasn't a mistake. He, this is when he chose to bring me. And he, he could have brought you through a different gene pool and you'd look completely different than you do right now, right? He could have brought you in different environmental elements and you'd look completely different than you do right now. But he created you intentionally, specifically, exactly, perfectly the way he wanted to. He thought out and cleverly crafted every part of you. Your, your look, your facial features, your, your size, your personality, your ideas. Look what David said. This is Psalm 139, 13. He says, God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my, woman, in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You're, you're not a mistake. You're God's masterpiece. And as, as perfectly as he created you, he's still working on you, right? He's still tweaking you. He's still sanding off the rough edges. And he's, he's, he, he's gonna keep doing that until you look and act and love exactly like Jesus. In fact, Philippians 1.9 says that he's going to continue that work. He's going to continue this process of sanding and grinding and making you more and more, more and more perfect and more and more like Jesus right up until the day Jesus comes back. And then on that day, we get a new perfect body. And that's going to be cool because then we're going to find out what a perfect body actually looks like just by looking in the mirror, right? So here I'm thinking, wouldn't it be funny if the people in medieval times were right? and it turns out that the perfect body is way more plump than we thought it was, then that's gonna be like, we've been starving ourselves for nothing. 
right? So, oh, the regret, you know, I could, so imagine this glorious day, we're all rising up to heaven, oh, praise Jesus, I made it, you know, oh, I'm in, I'm in, and we look down and go, oh, great. I could have had a Twinkie, you know, I could have eaten whatever I wanted, and no, for what? So whatever, whatever mislabels the world has stuck on you about your looks or your body or your personality or your ideas being ugly, it's, it's just it's time to just peel off that mislabel and let it be replaced by truth from scripture about who you really are. God, the author, the creator of everything beautiful says you're a masterpiece. Amen? Okay, let's do another one. Another mislabel a lot of us struggle with has to do with our purpose. Not the way we look, but the stuff we do or the stuff we don't do. And it's like we think, well, I'm not really doing anything that matters, so I guess I don't matter. I'm not, I'm not really doing anything important, so I guess I'm not important. I, hello, my name is insignificant, right? I'm not, I'm just not really that important, you know? I don't, I don't really matter at all. There's, I, there's no purpose in me being here. There, I, there's no reason for me to be here. And again, I think a lot of times it comes from comparison, right? We say, wow, look what that person did. They're doing great. They've done all these amazing things for the world or for their family or for the kingdom or whatever. Look at Joy. She's up there leading worship, man. That is so important. She's doing this important, amazing thing. Look at Pastor Mike. He's running all the ministries of the whole church. Isn't that amazing? Look at Jorge. He's impacting the lives of all these teenagers. Look at these missionaries. Look at these politicians. Look at these doctors. They're doing this amazing stuff. They make a difference in the world, right? They bring value to the world, so I guess they must be valuable, right? They bring in important things to the world, so I guess they must be important. They do significant things in the world, so I guess they must be significant. But if that's what significance looks like, then what does that make me? Maybe I'm insignificant. So again, a couple of ways we respond. I think some of us Okay, I, I retreat, right? I, I pull back. I, I can't do anything that matters, so I'm not gonna do anything at all. I'm just gonna watch the significant people do the significant stuff that they do. And then I think some of us go like the opposite way, right? So one tragic result would be to say, I can't do anything that matters, I'm not gonna do anything. Another tragedy would be to say, you know what, I'm gonna prove that I'm significant um, by making a significant amount of money or by making a significant amount of noise, or by making a significant amount of trouble. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll buy things, and I'll uh, own things, and I'll do things that people see as significant, and then I'll, that'll make me significant. So I'll get a significant job, and that will pay me significant money, and I can buy myself a significant house in a significant neighborhood. Maybe I'll even start treating people like they're insignificant. And then by comparison, that'll make me seem more significant. And, and, and these people get on this like 
manic treadmill, right? Like I gotta do more, I gotta do more. I gotta, I gotta prove that I'm valuable. I gotta prove that I'm important. I've gotta prove that I matter. I've gotta prove that I'm significant. So they're never at rest. They're never content. They're never satisfied. They're, they're, they're always guilty, right? I gotta do more, I gotta do more, I gotta do more, I gotta do more. I've gotta do more significant stuff. And all of that craziness or this complete retreating and giving up, these are tragic results and they both come from the same place. They come from that deep down feeling that I'm insignificant. But this same passage like melts off this mislabel and replaces it with a new label because God says you aren't insignificant. You are called. You are called by God to do exactly what he created you to do. You are called by God with a specific purpose. Um, Look at this verse, it's Ephesians 2.10 again. It says, we're God's masterpiece. He created us new in Christ Jesus, why? So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God created you for a reason. God created you with a purpose. You're not an accident. You're not insignificant, that's a mislabel. God specifically created you new in Jesus so that you can do the things that he planned for you before you were born. God created you on purpose. And God created you with a purpose. Um, Look at this, this is Ephesians 2, 4, so just above there. It's talking about God first and who he is, right? So God is so rich in mercy, he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by his grace you've been saved. So this is telling us who God is and what he's done, right? Six, as he raised us from the dead along with Christ, he seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. So he gave us life, he raised us from the dead, he seated us with him, and he united us with Jesus. Why? Why would he, why did he go to that trouble? Why did he do all those things for us? And verse seven tells us, it says, so. It's gonna tell us why, this is a real word. Ina is the Greek word, say ina. Oh, say it like I mean it in Greek. Ina, ina, it means so. It means like so that. It means for the purpose of, or like in order that. So this passage says, God gave us life, he raised us from the dead, he seated us with him, he united us with Jesus so that, here comes a purpose, are you ready? Are you ready? Here it comes, this is, this is your calling, so that he can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. He did all of that for you to give you this purpose, and that purpose is to be used as an example to show the world God's grace and God's kindness as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. His purpose in saving us, his purpose in creating masterpieces out of us is so the whole world can see his grace and kindness. That's your calling. That's, that's your purpose. You're, 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 we're created in God's image. Think about what that means. We're created in God's image. We're like mirrors. Right, we're, we're supposed to be reflecting and showing the world the grace and kindness and mercy of God. That's, that's our purpose. So every time we show the world what God looks like, that's us fulfilling our purpose. When people see you becoming more like Jesus, when people see you showing kindness and grace and mercy to people, when people see in you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, self-control, when they see those things in you, they know that's not you. Right? They knew you before. They know that that is Christ in you. And that's how you testify to the goodness 
and grace of God. That's how you are his image. That's how you reflect him. He, he shines on you and you bounce that off to the world. That is, that is your purpose. Your testimony is your purpose. What God has done in you, what God has done for you, what God is doing through you, that is your purpose. That is your calling in life. When you, when you worship God, when you love other people, when you follow Jesus, when you love and accept people, when you forgive people and invite people, when you, when you bring healing to other people, when you, when you use the gifts that he's given you, when you show the world what he's done for you, when you show the world what he's doing in you, when you show the world what he wants to do through you, that's you fulfilling your calling. We got a bunch of people that are gonna get baptized after church today, and this like, that is them, what is that? That is, they're testifying, man. They are publicly saying, and we talked about it, we just met with all of them a few minutes ago. It's like, this is not about us, right? This is about us showing the world, look what Jesus has done for me. Just, just check out the incredible wealth of his mercy and his kindness. And those people, just by doing that, are fulfilling his purpose for them. And if they never write a book, if they never preach a sermon, if they never you know, plan a church, they can fulfill their purpose. They can fulfill their calling at work or at school or at the grocery store, or in their neighborhood, because every time they show somebody what God is doing in them, every time they show someone what God has done for them or through them, every time they point somebody to Jesus with their words or with their kindness or the way they serve or the way they love, they're fulfilling their purpose. They're fulfilling a calling that God has had for them since before time a calling that God created them as masterpieces to fulfill. And so this is, turns out God's pretty smart. God uses our purposes to fulfill his purpose. And his purpose is to redeem the world. Does that sound insignificant to you? I mean, you're, you're incredibly important. You're, if you're a Christian, you are incredibly significant, not because you've, you know, accomplished this or attained that or you've been recognized as whatever. You matter. You're important and you're significant because you're part of God's plan to redeem the world. Think you're, you're part of God's plan to rescue humanity. You're part of God's plan to fix what was broken in Eden. So when we, when we see that we have a purpose like that, when we see that we have a calling from God, when we see that our testimony can actually be part of the salvation of humanity, right? Our, our testimony can actually be part of the redemption of the world, then that's when this old mislabel of insignificance starts to dry up and it starts to curl up and it starts to fall off in light of God's word and it's replaced with our true identity. I'm not insignificant. I'm called. Got time for one more mislabel. Same passage, same passage. Um, my name is alone. That's, that's my identity. That's who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm a lonely person. I don't fit in anywhere. I'm an outsider. I'm forgotten. I'm abandoned. I'm rejection. I reject, rejected. I'm ignored. Um, and just like these other two mislabels, when our mislabel is alone, I think we tend to go in one of two ways. 
Um, one is that we just accept it. You know, that's just it. I'm just always going to be alone, so I'm not going to pursue any relationships. I'm not going to be around people. I'm just going to pull back from everybody, and I'm just going to kind of hide behind this mislabel and so that nobody can see me and nobody can see how alone that I am, and I'm just going to spend my life isolated and alone and sad because I'm alone. That's who I am, and then I think some of us go another way. And the opposite tragic result, we say, you know what, I'm alone and I hate it and I am, I'm, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to not be alone anymore. I'll do whatever it takes. I will, I will fit in and I will, if I, I will, I'll just look like everybody wants me to look and I'll just act like everybody wants me to act and I'll just do what anybody wants me to do. I'll, I'll pretend to like what everybody else likes and I'll just, I won't have any boundaries. You know, whatever anybody else is doing, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to be accepted. I'll do whatever it takes to not be alone. I'll, I'll, be what, I'll do whatever it takes to be part of any group. I don't care what the group is. I mean, this is the reason that young men join gangs, isn't it? I mean, no, no four-year-old boy ever stood up in pre-K and said, when I grow up, I want to be a criminal. Nobody ever thought that when they were a kid, but what happens? I mean, they, 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 if they can't fit in anywhere else, then they do whatever it takes to find some group that will have them. So, yeah, whichever way we go, whether we compromise everything and cave in and, and have no boundaries, or whether we just accept a life of loneliness, they, those are both tragic results. And they both come from the same place. They come from behind this horrible label that says, I'm alone. But the thing is, it's a mislabel. It's, it's a lie. The people and circumstances and the world may have made you feel like isolated and different and like you don't belong, but God's word, which we're taking as the authority, right? God's word says, you're not alone. I mean, for one thing, in the Old Testament and again in the New Testament, God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So if you're a Christian, you're never alone because you have God. And that means a couple of things. Uh, number one, we, we have his spirit in us, right? God is, God is in us. So wherever we are, he is. So we're never alone. And then also, in a kind of a different way, when Jesus came, they called him Emmanuel. Do you remember what that means? God with us. God with us. So not only is God in us, through Jesus, God is with us. And this is kind of a weird one because, like, how does that work? How is, how is Jesus with us? I mean, I, I could see, like, he was with Peter and James and John and the disciples and, and all them, but he was with them. I get that, he was with them. But then the ascension, he went up to be with the Father, so how, how is he with us now? In his people, in his people. Because remember, he doesn't just live in you, right? He lives in all Christians. And so we can actually, the spirit of Jesus lives in his people, so that means we can actually experience the presence of Jesus in relationships with his people. We can actually experience the presence of Jesus. You were designed 
to experience the presence and the relationship of Jesus by experiencing the presence and the relationship of his people. So check out this verse. This is Ephesians 1, 19. I won't read it. It's, it's all about like the power of Jesus and the authority of Jesus and Jesus is you know, the head over everything. And then verse 23, this is Ephesians 1, 23 says, and the church is his body. The church is his body. And who's the church? We are, we're the church. So if the church is his body and we're the church, that means we are his body, yeah? We are his body, this is really important. We are his body, not each of us, all of us. You get the difference? We're his body, not each of us, all of us. So we can experience Jesus, we can experience Emmanuel, we can experience God with us through each other, through each other. I'm telling you, the more I read the New Testament, the more I read the New Testament, the more I see that it is written in plural persons. It is written to y'all, not you. It's all about we, not me. So you're, you're God's masterpiece, and I'm God's masterpiece. But in a much bigger sense, what Ephesians 2.10 actually says is we are God's masterpiece. We together are God's masterpiece. Check out these plural persons. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things that he planned for us long ago. First Corinthians 12, 27 tells us one of the most beautiful things about the body of Christ. It says all of you together are Christ's body. Each of you is a part of it. So each, yeah, each one of us is a masterpiece and each one of us has a calling, but in a way bigger sense, way more importantly, all of us together are a masterpiece. And all of us together share the same calling. And all of us, we're all in the body of Christ together. All, all of us different, and all of us beautiful, and all of us made in his image, all of us full of his spirit, all of us called to his purpose. So no matter what mislabel, the world has put on you, you're, you're not alone. You are part of something bigger than yourself. You're part of something beautiful. You're part of something divine. You're part of something eternal. It's like, like individual, different colors in a beautiful painting, right? We're all a little bit different, but we're, we're all made, be, I mean, you're, if you're green, green's good, right? Green's pretty, I like blue, red's good. Each one of those colors is good on its own, but if we really want beauty, it happens when those things come together. So take a look at this painting. Um, it's a Texas hill country. It's pretty, right? Come on, I painted that, don't you think it's good? <laughs> it's, it's pretty, right? I think it's, you know, it's, it's pretty. I wouldn't say it's beautiful. Right? I wouldn't say, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a masterpiece, but I want you to look at what happens when different parts start showing up and finding their place. Like, what if we add blue? See that, isn't that good that blue showed up today, right? What happens if we add yellow and green? And what happens if we add red? 
So God's masterpiece is not complete without all the colors. God's masterpiece is not, is not complete without all the parts finding their place and working together. God's masterpiece is not complete without you. You were, you were created by God to bring your color, to bring your personality, to bring your passion and your creativity and your ideas and to bring your life together with other believers to make up God's masterpiece. So to say that you're alone is just a lie. It's, it's just a mislabel. The truth is your real identity is you're a part. You are a, a critical part of something beautiful. So there it is. I mean, this one passage shines a lot of light on some of these mislabels. Just in that one couple of verses, we can see you're not ugly. You're a masterpiece. And you're not insignificant. You're called. You're not alone. You're part of something beautiful. We are not identified by these mislabels. We are, we are not defined by who the world says we are. You are who God says you are. And God says you're a masterpiece, and you're called, and you're part of something beautiful. Amen? Okay, we're gonna pray and then stick around because we've got something important happening right after this. Um, Father, thank you for creating us so beautifully and so wonderfully and for calling us to relationship and for calling us to do important things. God, thank you for trusting us with that and empowering us to do that and including us as part of your plan. But man, it's so easy for us to look at other people and the way that they look and how important they seem and the groups that they're in and feel like we're ugly and feel like we're insignificant or feel like we're alone. And so I guess my prayer today, God, is will you just help us see what you see? Will you help us see who we really are, not who the world says we are, but who you say we are? Will you remind us this week, every day, that we are your masterpiece, that you've called us with a purpose, you've given us a calling on our life to do important things that really matter in the world, and you've called us to community, you've called us to be together and to create this masterpiece by bringing the little part that you gave us and combining it with others. God, will you bring community into this community? In Jesus' name, amen.